We all know a dollar today doesn't spend the same way as it did 20 years ago, and we're seeing that in the markets today. So on today's show, we'll talk about inflation and what it means to your portfolio. We're untangling financial issues. Welcome to Your Finances Untangled with Mo Parag. Hopefully you can tell from this conversation that I am I, I take things very seriously, but I'm laid back. Mo is a financial advisor and partner with Cloudvestor. You may want to do some reallocations based off how you're currently invested. This podcast addresses financial issues for all ages, from those just starting out up to retirees. It's Your Finances Untangled. Untangling your finances. Mo Param does it. He does it right here on this podcast. And it's great to have you along. Thank you so much. You're wise beyond your years for listening to this podcast. And it is Your Finances Untangled with Mo Param. Hey, Mo, how are you today? Hey, Dave, I'm doing great. How are you? It's all good. It's all good. Um, you know, I feel like we're getting... Even we've made some good steps lately to get back to normal with the CDC recommendation that came out yesterday as we're recording on Friday, May 14th uh, about the mask indoors. You know, we're just getting we're taking steps closer to normal. Yeah, that was reassuring. You know, if you've been vaccinated, then CDC says you don't longer have to wear a mask. Yeah. Indoor or outdoor. So that's yeah, that's one step getting closer to to normal. Yeah, and that is for uh, vaccinated people. You are correct. That is for there. vaccinated folks, yeah. yeah. And what was it the other day? Um, now teenagers were able to get, uh, what, was it Pfizer? Yeah, I think. I think, think they're able to get the Pfizer vaccine. I mean, yeah, they're they're lowering those ages. Um, and we're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah. You know what else is happening now? Because What's things that? had to step in. Now, not in all <laughs> places of the country because of that colonial pipeline hack. Oh, my gosh. Um, and panic on the part of people. Um, I know. There were lines at gas pumps, gas stations running out of gas. And it was panic. It was people who who f- filled up five or six, seven-plus containers of those gas cans, you know, in addition <laughs> to their car. And, yeah, leaving no gas for anyone else or just premium gas. Just like they did with toilet paper. I know. What's the deal with that? You know, I was actually more stressed over the toilet paper. I, I feel like, I, you know, I can always Uber somewhere or walk if I have to. Uh, or stay home, right? We're in a stay-at-home economy. But unless you have a bidet, you, you can't do anything without toilet paper, right? <laughs> well, I mean, I was thinking of alternatives uh, at the height of COVID. Fortunately, I never ran out. I was looking at, at, um, at like, old clothes I could shred up. This is gross. I don't even want to get I never got there. That's good. Hey, uh, here's something we're seeing now, and it's what we're talking about, and that's inflation. And we're feeling it right now. Lumber, gas, gas, everything. Yeah. And inflation is a real, is a living and breathing thing. And, you know, when when you're just going along life, not really paying attention, you may not feel it, right? Because maybe everything in your world, everything that you buy, you don't notice the increases over time. But certain items, you do see it, right? You yeah. do see the value of, wow, I can't believe you know eggs cost this much or milk costs this much. or We or notice the gas, gas pump. That's the one we, we always, always notice the to. gas pump, yeah. right? We always notice it. I mean, a year ago, Right. I think a gallon of gas here in Atlanta on average was probably a dollar 
75 a dollar 80 you know for quite quite a time quite a bit of time now it's 280 290 right but you know and that's a dollar per gallon gas, that, that adds up over time gas is a weird phenomenon in the whole world of inflation because what you just said was lower than a gallon of gas cost in 1991 average price $1.81 then and at a time, it got down lower than that this year. Now, we're heading back up. Remember where mm-hmm. we were in 2008 with gas? Remember oh, how high it was then? Yeah. I mean, I wasn't driving back then, but I do remember, you know, uh, seeing like $4 at a pump. Uh, or And, and, and like, over. Yeah. And over. Yeah. Yeah. It, it got ridiculous for a while there. And then, of course, the economy collapsed briefly um but you know that's and i was telling you we were doing a little bit of research before the podcast and i i said what's a how much is a dozen eggs now and because i it's something about eggs i never look at the price of eggs (laughs) i I do open it up to make sure none are cracked because that's that's what you're supposed to do but I i don't i look at the price of gas but i don't look at the price of eggs yeah yeah, it's 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 one of those things. They see like it's goes back to some of these items are just staples in our day to day lives. And you know, if you think about well, a dollar something that costs a dollar now it's up a dollar and ten cents. For instance, you yeah, don't, you don't even notice that ten cents, but that's a ten percent increase. Yeah, exactly. Right? And, and exactly. the next year, if it goes to a dollar twenty again. On a percentage wise, that's huge, right? But as far as the impact on your wallets, you don't necessarily notice it. But things like gas, where you're driving around town and you're constantly refueling and you're really feeling and you're really seeing that impact. I'm going to show you how old I am. And don't be calling nursing homes to check me in when I tell you this. <laughs> okay, I won't. Uh, I rem- first time I ever heard of inflation was when Gerald Ford was president. And he came out with these win buttons. And the win stood for whip inflation now. And I really didn't understand it. But why do we... <laughs> this is going <laughs> to... I've never what, heard of that before. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was a Gerald Ford thing. Why do we have to have inflation? <laughs> I mean, why is it just the natural course of things? Or is it manipulated? Why do we have inflation? Ooh. Oh, it's... it's the, you know, it, inflation is the, the gradual you know, gradual rise of prices, right? And it's a decline in purchasing power over time. So some inflation is just caused by supply and demand, right? If we have enough demand and not enough supplies, then that that causes pricing to go up. But if we have too much supply and not enough demand, then price goes down. So in a, you know, in, in the kind of economy that we have right now, I think it's just a natural occurrence of, of if we if we have too much stuff, right? We're, we're in a very consumer friendly economy, right? So mm-hmm. we have too much stuff, then the stuff that we have no longer has as much value. But when things are rare, then it adds more value, and more adding more value means it costs more. Yeah, well, I mean, and sometimes it is uh, caused by humans like the the panic with the gas thing recently. <clears throat> Which, yeah, but it can, you know, it, it, inflation is real. You know, if it's if if and if there's too much, if inflation rises too much and too fast, mm-hmm. it can it can des- destroy an economy. You know, we've seen in um, you know if you think back in 2018, which is not that far ago, mm-hmm. not that long ago. Check this out. 
Venezuela had an inflation rate that hit over a million dollar a month. Oh and it my god! Caused gosh. the economy to collapse. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I remember that. You remember that, right? Wow. Think so, about that. A million dollars, a million percent. A, a million percent. A God million me. percent. <laughs> I mean, I laugh, but it's like, but no, it's, it's I'm, I'm just taking it in. Yeah. Yeah. So if left unchecked, <laughs> it, it can really, it can really hemorrhage an economy and cripple it. Now, if I were to go there in 2018, then with just my money, am I better off there with a million percent inflation? I mean, can I go buy a lot or no, the price goes up there in the their currency, up. but how does it, uh, that's stuff. Yeah. That, I mean, like, you know, the, it, it all depends on what the value of a dollar is in yeah. the, uh, the Venezuelan's <laughs> currency. Right. But still that is, I mean, that is crazy that the price of, you know, we go back to toilet paper. I know Venezuela isn't really known for its oil and its gas, right? So yeah. well, really for its oil. <clears throat> so if you think about what the cost of gas, heating your heating your home, electricity, um, feeding your family, if we're getting to inflation rates of that that high of, of a number, I mean, no no investment return, right? No no pay increase when your employer can keep up with rates of that high at all. Well. Just to go back to that million percent, <laughs> I'm thinking about, sir, a pack of gum. Is that all for you today? Well, that'll come to $582,000. <laughs> How, um, all right, not, not all places of work or, you know, where you work, they don't all give you periodic uh, cost of living adjustments. So, Inflation is there. I mean, what do you have to do? Are people having to get side jobs or? You know, side jobs, um, cutting back, right? Cutting back on different expenses, um, cutting back on uh, just luxuries, right? When, when, when our income isn't keeping up with inflation, then we have we have a decision to make. You know, what are we going to cut off? What are we going to do to keep up, uh, to make up that gap? And it can be, you know, we'll, we'll work depending on what kind of occupation you have, right? Some occupations have overtime, right? We do a lot of work with federal employees, mm-hmm. and so they have the opportunity to work overtime. So that's another way to to make up for maybe your base salary isn't isn't increasing, but if you work a few extra hours slash a side gig, that can increase your income, and but also it could mean the difference between. Uh, you know, cable and maybe we're just going to have our subscription, um, you know, streaming, right? We're just going to do Netflix instead of having actual full-blown cable. That'll save us a hundred bucks a month. Yeah. Or it could be, well, we were used to having a five-day, vac- a week-long vacation with our family. Maybe we'll just do a weekend vacation this year, right? So we, you make adjustments one way or another, but if we're not, if we're not keeping up with the cost of living on an annual basis, if we're not keeping up with our savings, right, or or with our income over time, then our dollar, our spending power reduces, and again, it, it's a major lifestyle adjustment that needs to be made. Yeah, it's um, wow, it's a, it's a shame that you have to to go back and cut back. Um, I, what I hear all these terms, and you know, you understand these better than I do. Sure, the uh, like out of the Fed. And some of the strategies they have to manipulate 
things, and they can do that. And I mean, they, I'm sure they're doing it for the good of the economy. But what, like, for instance, what is quantitative easing? I knew you were going to ask me that. You knew I was going to ask you what quantitative <laughs> easing is. <laughs> you, you, hear that, uh, you hear that term all the time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's, a, it's, I'm trying to see if I can, if I can keep it. Put it in, like in lay terms. Yeah. Uh, let's see. How can I, how can I, def, how can I explain that very easily? It is quantitative easing. It's essentially increasing the money supply Mm -hmm. uh, in the central bank. So essentially the government is injecting money into the economy. And when you, when you're injecting that money into the economy, it eases the pressure on uh, the central banks to, and the central banks and government bonds, right. And for other financial assets, okay, because the government is literally printing and injecting money into the economy. And their goal there is to if, expand <clears throat> economic activity. So, if inflation to keep it does it says it's to keep inflation in check. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's it's to keep inflation in check. All right, and so that's one of the that's one of the 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 fears. We saw some sell offs in the market uh, earlier this week as we rec- as we're recording. And some of it has been feared with uh, uh, the, the idea that inflation is on its way, right? So you're seeing a lot of growth stock companies um, uh, being out of favor by investors and asset managers. So you're seeing a lot of sales in those in those uh, in those type of stocks. And the idea behind it is a lot of growth companies. Well, they, their revenue, right? Anything that they generate, well, sometimes they're just uh, reinvesting it in the business, right? Mm -hmm. Research and developing, growing, building, expanding, hiring, building, expanding. And so you're, they're not, you're not going to really necessarily see a lot of the returns as an investor until later on, right? Until they, until whatever they're investing in with the company starts to materialize. And that might be two, three, four, five years down the road. Right. So you're almost yeah. so you're betting on the success of these growth companies because they're growing over time. But inflation, but if inflation starts to creep up. Right. Well, whatever projected growth you're you're anticipating all of a sudden can be eroded. Well, will be eroded theoretically by inflation. I can see so, that because I was just talking to someone. This is in the simplest terms. They're, they, they need a new deck, and they're not building a new deck now because of the price of lumber. So if the yeah. price of lumber is going up and then people start pulling back from buying it, then does that fix it? Does, it fix, does it, the problem fix itself? Or It could be. It could be. That could, incre- that could decrease because uh, it goes back to what I was saying before. So if people aren't – let's just take the deck, for instance. Well, if – Homes aren't being built, right? If there's not a demand for for building homes, mm-hmm. right? And if there's not a demand for or a, enough of a demand for home repairs, like building a deck or whatever it may be, then you'll have this supply, and there's not a much of a demand. Okay. And so, how do we how do we raise the demand back up? Well, we, we lower the price, right? And so, the, the problem with that is, yes, that could fix the cost of lumber, right, for instance. But if that's over a broad general sect, uh, a general economy overall, 
then what's going to happen is that could cause a little bit of stag, stag well, uh, I guess a stagnation in the economy, right? Because people may be waiting, right? Waiting for the price to drop. And so there's no activity, right? And so you continue to do that over time, then it could cause a slowdown in, in the economy because people are just waiting, right? They're waiting, waiting, waiting for the price to drop and they're not doing anything. And so that too much of that going on can cause you know the, the, the economy just to stay stagnant. Speaking of stag, what is stagflation? <laughs> uh, I just stopped saying these words. I know you're going to introduce them too. <laughs> uh, stag stagflation is when the uh, it basically when inflation remains too high, uh, and the and the economy is not growing over time. Right, inflation is just way too high. Economy is not growing, and unemployment. Is rising. Okay. Add that all you add that into uh, into a pot, you'll have unemployment that increases. The demand, right? The demand decreases because, you know, if we have uh, if you have rising unemployment, then people are going to pres- people are naturally going to preserve as much of their income as much of their cash flow as possible because they're afraid of losing their job or if they've lost their job, they're afraid of not being able to find a new occupation anytime soon. So natural thing is we're going to spend less, right? And so that, 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 that relationship between, between inflation, unemployment, and demand is what's called, stag, it's called stagflation. Okay, I've got to take a moment, and this was in my contract for the show. When we talk about subjects like this, I have to have a moment to go to my happy place <laughs> just so I can give my mind a rest. Hang on a second. Oh. I'm at the beach. Yes. Oh. You have to get your mind off these things. Yeah, because my mind's not built to truly comprehend this. I think mm-hmm. I might just know the questions to ask. But here's what we're going to do <clears throat> coming up. We're going to look at some strategies to battle inflation. We're going to go to war with it. How do we survive <laughs> this battle? And Mo's going to break that down along with quantum physics. That's coming up <laughs> on Your Finances Untangled. can you enjoy the best of both worlds in your financial planning, the convenience of a virtual relationship with your advisor, but also maintaining the human touch? That's Cloud Vesters. That's cloudvesters.com. They're an endorsed Dave Ramsey smart vester. That's a relationship you can trust. At Cloud Vesters, you get a personal relationship with one of the team advisors who will help you build a robust investment strategy. It's all about specific, customized planning for your unique situation and for wherever you are in life, whether you're just starting out or getting close to retirement. Holistic financial planning in all areas, including taxes, estate planning, insurance, cash flow, and budgeting. They even offer customized personal websites for clients. The technology of today while still maintaining that human touch. That's Cloudvestors. That's cloudvestors.com. Your finance is untangled and back into the conversation. Consumer advocate Dave Perkins with Mo Param of Cloudvestors. Cloudvestors, a fiduciary firm recommended nationally by Dave Ramsey. I don't think I mentioned Cloudvestors when I opened the thing up. And, uh, hey, that's an important thing to get in. Cloudvestors.com. Actually, Mo can help you get your blueprint for your financial life. We're looking at inflation. And uh, I, I think this is pretty accurate. We pulled up average prices, and uh, Mo and I decided, let's just go back 30 years. We don't need to go back to when a car cost 
$32. I mean, so we only went back 30 years to 1991. Um, average price of gas, I mentioned earlier, $1.81. And um, we got pretty close to that. Actually, we got pretty close to that uh, at the height of the pandemic, didn't we? I mean, it got really right, low, yeah. not down that low. But uh, price of a stamp, $0.29. Cents. Now mm. fifty five cents. When did you last uh, put a stamp on anything, Mo? Oh man, <laughs> I can't I, tell you. Gosh, I can't I, tell you. Uh, I don't. I'll do that. A dozen <laughs> eggs. I I couldn't have told you it, what uh, the price of a dozen eggs. And this is actually hadn't gone up that much if if the information here is accurate. Nineteen ninety one, a dollar one, a dollar and a penny. A dollar sixty two now. A gallon of milk two eighty in nineteen ninety one. Three fifty eight now. A movie ticket mm. four twenty one in nineteen ninety one. Nine sixteen now. And wow. a car, a new car, fifteen thousand four seventy three in ninety one. Thirty nine thousand now. Average price. Wow. Yeah, that's huge. Especially the car, thirty nine, four, almost forty grand for a new car. Yeah, and I, I mean, I just really, I mean, that was quick research. I googled average price of car in ninety one, average price of car in twenty twenty one, and um, that sounds about that's right. 30, yeah, and that's thirty years, right? And mm-hmm. and which isn't that long of a time frame, right? I'm I'm thirty nine, so we're talking about when I was nine years old, mm-hmm. and you know, thirty years has you know gone by in a blink of an eye, so. When you think about retirement planning, for instance, right? You, we have actually. I was doing a workshop earlier this, uh, a face-to-face workshop earlier this this week. And we've gone back doing face-to-face because you know we're reopening yeah. in some aspects. But uh, you know, some of these, uh, it was a retirement workshop, and so I guess probably the average age in the audience was I'd call it 65, 60, 65, 60, 65, 66, maybe somewhere around there. But I bring this all up because I I, I was telling them, you know, in some aspects, you hear the conventional wisdom or the conventional thoughts of, hey, you're turning 65, you're getting ready to retire. You need to be conservative with your investments, right? Because you're retired, you don't have that much of a time frame. You need to be you need to be conservative. Well, if you're 60 years old Mm -hmm. right, and you have good genes, you take care of yourself, you eat right, um, you may be with us for 30 years. Mm hmm. Right. Quite easily. So it's quite easily. Right. We're, we're living longer today you know, with the advancements of medicine and technology and, you know, eating right, diet and everything and, and all that good stuff. So you can be with us for 30 years. Shouldn't you shouldn't your investment accounts ad- adapt or adjust or be positioned for a long term investor? Yeah, it's like we're having old thinking on that kind of. We need to uh, uh, step up the strategies or our thinking on it at least to today. Yeah, if if the cost of goods are going up and we still need to live, we still need to spend, right? I mean, at the end of the day, if gas is going up and you're still, you're retired, you you still got to go from point A to point B. If the... You know, if a new car, I mean, imagine driving a car for 30 years, right? You're probably going to have to get a new car in, yeah. in the time way in your retirement years, right? So if the cost of a car goes from 15 to 40 grand over the course of 30 years, then you're essentially, long story short, is your investments at a 30 year window, 30 year runway. Why are you taking so much? Why why aren't you taking some risk? I mean, is it, you, so you shouldn't let in like we're seeing I, what appears to everybody to be an inflation spike now. And so should that that shouldn't scare you from investing. It should not. It, it should not scare you from investing. You should just uh, real one realize that inflation is a real thing, 
right? You can try to close your eyes and, and shy away from it, but inflation is a real thing, whether it's a, a, a gradual increase or a rapid increase, but inflation is real. So you shouldn't, you should not stay away or stray away from the market. You should invest, right? And invest in the stock market. If we look at the S&P 500 over time, right? The S&P has averaged about 10%. Over time, over a 20, 30 year time frame, 10 percent. Uh, so that's that's one way to to keep up with inflation is to continue investing, right? Continue buying. Now, after 10, I'm not saying every year expect a 10 year return, right? There's going to be some lows. There's going to be some highs. But on average, we're looking at about 10 percent. So part of your money, if you are investing for long term or if you're looking for ways to hedge against inflation is to invest in the market. And another way, uh, and by the way, if you do hear ocean sounds, it means it's, I need that go back to my happy place a little bit. So it, it may just come in automatically, but in, in, in you for, I think I mentioned this and I didn't coin this phrase, but I like it. Um, if your money's in cash, like if all your money's in cash, you're just losing money safely. So we've preached about the, the importance of having an emergency fund and you're absolutely right in that. But should we, should we pull a little bit more during times of inflation spikes out and get them to work for you? Yeah, we should. We should. I mean, um, your, your your dollars that are sitting in cash, right? So in some aspects, your your emergency fund, the dollars that you uh, that you putting that you're putting aside for in case of an emergency. And I wouldn't consider inflation an emergency. I'm talking about you lose your job, um, uh, medical medical uh, issues. Then mm-hmm. an emergency happens, you have the cash ready to deploy and and take care of those emergencies. So that call it three to six month window. I don't want you investing that. I want that to be in cash. You know, right now so there's high never interest savings that. account. Don't ever touch it, yeah. right? There's high interest savings accounts that are paying 0.5%. Two years ago, they were paying 2%. You know, it's one of those things that don't expect, you know, just temp- temper your expectations. Don't expect them to grow. It's there for an emergency. But out, once you figure it out, right, what's that comfortable, that safe amount for you to stay uh, that, you, that you'd like to have in cash, Anything above that, let's get it working for you, right? Let's get it. Let's get it actively working for you, um, especially whether you're a retirement planner or you're saving, right? If you're saving for a house or you're saving for, um, you know, a, uh, you pre, uh, uh, the, the gap between. Let's say we work with clients too that uh, that want to retire at fifty, fifty, like fifty five, mm-hmm. but their four hundred one k isn't available without penalties until fifty nine and a half. Yeah. So what do we do in that four and a half year window? Right. We've got to build some type of an income bridge between that time. So we're we're investing in other accounts that aren't quote unquote retirement accounts, but they might have a twenty year window when we're, we're when we're when we're trying to reach that fifty five year target. So those dollars, right? Those dollars that are not part of your emergency fund, get them working for you. Speaking of retirement, and we talk about this a lot, we have talked about it a lot. Um, what part of your retirement plan should, is the best and most effective in factoring in inflation? Because I know, you know, you have a lot of, you should have multiple sources of income, you know, like with a fixed right. indexed annuity, that's going to be guaranteed income. You've got social security, which gets a little bit of a cola every now and then. So, right. What are the most effective strategies to factor in inflation in retirement? 
So, you know, we look at, you know, obviously, like you mentioned before, so you have that that social security. So when we look at your income stream during retirement, right, you'll have social security, social security. Again, you mentioned the COLA, right? So right now you're at 2021, the cost of uh, cost of living adjustment, social security is 1.3%. So that means you're getting uh, from last year to this year, you got a 1.3% raise if you want to consider it in your mm-hmm. social security on. Uh, so you have that. Uh, if you have a pension, right, from your employer, some of them do give you a, uh, a cost of living adjustment as well. Like I said, we do some work with federal employees. They're getting about a 1.7% increase on their FERS. So now you have Social Security and you have your pension that's getting the increase. So that's one way to uh, to adjust and adapt for inflation. And then smart, so safe growth maybe in, in your retirement? S- and then smart, safe growth, right? We have some dollars that, uh, that are – you know, maybe that's your uh, call your ten year window, right? So for the next ten years, this is this is this is the money, and this is how we're going to be investing, and this these are the assets we're going to be using for income uh, or to supplement your income during the time frame. So in that aspect, maybe we're shooting for you know if the S and P's done ten percent over time. Maybe that's the account that we're we're expecting somewhere between you know five to seven percent, mm-hmm. right? So, yes, we're not taking on a full breadth of the market, but we're still experiencing some growth inside that. But from 11 to 20, 20 years down the road, right, that's where we have some money that can that can be at that we can take a little more risk. We can take uh, some smart risk behind it. Maybe that's dollars that's, you know, we're shooting almost like we're shooting for the moon. Right. But we're shooting for the eight to 10 percent over time. Right. Okay. And then and then you and then you have the smart safe, right? You mentioned the fixed indexed annuity. I'd call that your smart safe money. Money that is, you know, we tell our clients if you're doing a fixed index annuity, you know, expect four. If you get anything six or more, you're baking us cookies, right? Mm-hmm. That is that is what mm-hmm. um, our expectations are. So now you look at now you look at what that o- overall pie looks like. We've got Social Security and your and your pension. That's going to be the foundation of your income. You've got the fixed index annuity that is your uh, smart safe money. That is going to be you know again four to four to six percent. Those are your expectations, but you can't lose money, right? So in seasons of volatility, you know for a fact you're not going to lose any money there. Then we have some money that's that that's in the market again, tempering our expectations five to seven percent. So. So put those three together. That that's a nice that's a nice that's a that's a nice pie for our call it ten year time window, and then from eleven on, you know we have the slice of your, slice of your pie, slice of your uh, investments that's getting uh, that we're investing in a ways that we can get the eight plus the ten percent plus returns over time. Well, you got good strategies. I mean, we said we were going to go to war with inflation. Finally, I yeah, we're going to war. I want and you need to. Especially now, uh, I have just two questions here. First off, um, what is worse for the economy, inflation or deflation? Ooh, that is that is a good question. Because I, I mean, I, deflation sounds better? nice because you know, <laughs> on the surface, it does, on the surface, right? It does sound nice, like hey, you know, the cost of goods aren't going up that often. Yeah, uh, but deflation over time again can have a uh, basically, a, a negative impact on the market because if the entire if the entire market or the entire economy, put it that way, is in deflation, then you, what you can you can buy more for you can buy more for less tomorrow. Yeah, right? 
so again it's it's a, it's a sense where people are, are 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 going to pause their spending right they're going to delay any type of purchases because hey if i just wait it out right going back to the um uh the example of lumber right if i just wait it could I go know, lower. I know my I know my deck needs to be made. I know I know I need a new deck, but if I just wait six months, if I wait a year, it's going to cost me probably. I'm just throwing numbers out there, twenty percent less. So to build that, my, that to build friend of mine is never going to get their deck built because they're holding <laughs> off now because of inflation, but they'd hold off for deflation too. Right? Because like, I feel somewhere. like I'm going to pay too much today. It's going to be less tomorrow. Right. So I'll wait. I mean. Uh, we, we see that in the housing market sometimes, right? Yeah, right now it is a it's a seller's market, right? It's not super, where some people think that house home prices are just you know skyrocketing, right? They're just it's just it's just so high to purchase. It's just so much to purchase a home now. Yeah. So there are some people that are sitting on the sideline waiting, building, building their savings, right? So maybe when they walk into uh, buying a home, they could put twenty percent down, for instance. But they're waiting for the home prices to go down. Yeah. But like you mentioned. Well, what happens if the housing prices continue to go up? Right. Right. And you're and you bet the wrong and you and you made a you made a wrong bet. It's scary. It's scary, right? Now you're waiting. Now you're gonna continue waiting, right? Oh my gosh. I'm gonna I'm I always wait, make wait the wrong out, move. I always do. <laughs> I mean I really do. I mean I was like <laughs> I'm like oh. I mean it's just I, I have I let people make those decisions for me. I, I just suck at it. I just am so bad. <laughs> well, look, we're about out of time here, but a quick question now and what we're seeing now because of all the uh the stimulus money and yeah. we're looking at the value of the dollar and now prices are going up. Are we looking at hyperinflation? And I'm not talking about the hyperinflation you cited in Venezuela where it was, uh, what, a million percent. I, I, but are we looking at hyperinflation possibly? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like hyperinflation is, you know, theoretically, some economists call, say that it's when uh, you're looking at prices increasing by 50 percent month over month right so uh-huh. i don't think we're looking at the uh the true definition of hyperinflation i don't i don't, I don't perceive that's happening now but i do th- but in the sense of are we seeing where just in just your normal inflation starting to creep up faster uh I, I think we might be there. You know, I think we might be at the point mm-hmm. where inflation, you know, we've been such at lower rates for so long, right? Uh, and we're looking at the currency uh, value, and we're concerned about that, right? Yeah. The value of the dollar. Value, the, the value of the dollar, right? And in some aspects, it's good for the economy, right? Spending is good for the economy, and, and some levels of, of inflation is good for the economy, but it's all about easing into it, right? And and uh, and and adjusting to those inflationary measures. So, do you think the like stimulus damned, checks? Like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Right? You know those stimulus checks. Do, do you think they were effective? Because I, I mean, the idea really is to get that money out in the economy. And I don't know. I haven't seen any studies on how people used it. Yeah, I haven't <clears> seen true <throat> studies. Right, I've seen and I've seen and I've heard. I've seen. Uh, spending at at like the Best Buys. Mm-hmm. I, I remember the first day. Uh, the, it was the first you know kind of week when the first checks were, were came out. I was at a gas station. Uh, I was buying I don't know uh, energy drink or something. Mm-hmm. And the woman in front of me, 
um, was talking to the cashier and said, I just got my stimulus check and I just went to Best Buy and bought a TV. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. so she stimulated the economy that way. And maybe she kept uh-huh. some to keep put in the bank, some. but she treated herself uh, to a TV and she stimulated the economy. Yeah, there were some that invested the money, which was good for them or if they, you know, uh, if they had some positive returns or just maybe yeah. this is the first time they were able to invest. So they they just used the money to invest. But that doesn't necessarily stimulate the economy, right? That's, okay. That's, that's, that's right. just investing. Uh, there are some that, you know, they needed it, right? They needed it yeah. to, to make ends meet. True. And, I mean, and there's, in some, in yeah. some areas that, that pay bills. Pay bills, right? So uh, I haven't seen a complete study of where the where the uh, the stimulus checks have gone overall, but I I'd say in some levels, uh, yeah. I mean, for instance, I was talking to a client today. I was doing a review, and he said that for about two months, from like May March to May, yeah, he does. He is self employed uh, contractor, like construction worker, so he does mainly in home uh, renovations. Mm-hmm. So. For about a two-month period, he he didn't see much work, but in May he started getting phone calls of, "Hey, I need to build an office in my home." Yeah, yeah. Um, you know what? The uh, my unfinished basement, I need that to be completed now. So he started getting more work, and he's been very busy okay, since. Okay, great. And so that stimulated his economy, right? Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I think some of the some of those dollars have been have been used to to to, to fuel the economy. One final thing, we did run over, but it's a great topic. Um, when we get back to normal, as normal as we can with the economy, and okay. and people aren't as badly needing stimulus, you know, a, a countrywide like we did during the height of the pandemic, just to pay bills, and a lot of people did. Would it not be a good idea to send out one more wave, and that that one? will maybe stimulate the economy better because some might look at it as found money and just go spend it. <laughs> that theory is a good theory. I never thought about it that way, right? But, you know, when things go back to normal and someone and we're getting maybe not the same 1400 or whatever the number was, but if everyone got a check for $200, right? 500 200 But then yeah. it comes back to, then, then that has a major impact of where does the money come from, um, uh, who's going to pay for it? Is it coming out of taxpayers' dollars? And uh, then all of a sudden, at the, this the, point, the fears, the, the fears <laughs> really? of tax rates going up, right? It might just uh, be a half a trillion for that. <laughs> I mean, what's that? What's another uh, trillion? Uh, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I remember when this happened. Uh, it happened a couple of times during, during, I believe, the George W. Bush administration after 9 11. Uh, I know one came out, it was, and it wasn't big. It was like you said, it was about 200, one buck 50, you know, 175, something like that. Uh, but I'm just wondering if we might need just one last shot out there. One last stimulus. shot. Well, we still have some more checks coming out, right? We've got the child credits coming out later on this year. Yeah. So. Let's see what happens after that. Okay. Well, hey, I love this. A really, really good conversation, Mo. And um, and you just keep it going. And this is how I'm going to title this for those searching for a podcast. I'm going to write all caps, inflation, with two exclamation points. Ooh, that's good. That'll get their attention. That'll get there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but be sure to, as, you know, like, subscribe. Um, and if you subscribe, you're going to get this for every Friday at noon. We drop a new every one. Friday. Every yeah. Friday, no matter what inflation rates are. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and the cost of this uh, will not go up for you because <laughs> it's not costing you anything. Well, Mo, we will we'll get back together next week. Yes, you will. 
And you know what we're going to do? What? Untangle finances. I like it. We'll see you then. We'll see you then. Be sure to rate, review, and share this podcast. New episodes of Your Finances Untangled are available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your podcasts. Information provided is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Neither Mo Param nor his guests are liable for the usage of information discussed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.